This is so cute up here how they did this. So, ever since I broke my ankles, I walk very carefully now. <laughs> oh. Okay, get organized. <laughs> you know, it's pretty sad when you're standing in the bathroom or you, you go to wash your hands, and I'm standing there, you know where the soap dispenser is, and I'm holding my hand under it, and I'm thinking, why isn't soap coming out? <laughs> I don't know whether anymore to flush the toilet, to not flush the toilet, to push the soap dispenser, to not push the soap dispenser, because I've been in so many airports, and some of them are automatic. And so I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, you have to push the button. <laughs> oh, my. Like I said, every place you go is different now, and I, you know, I don't know. I was just I'm sitting there, and I thought, okay, Carol, just push it, you know, stop sitting there waiting for it, so, <laughs> all right. I hope you had a sweet time with uh, your groups in sharing. <clears throat> We're going to open in prayer here, but as we've talked about the character of God, I found that um, <clears throat> right thinking about who God is leads to <clears throat> right actions and right feelings. <clears throat> so when my thinking is right, then that actions and feelings follow, and <clears throat> as I'm working through uh, teaching the, the psychology to the students and the cognitive processes, and I'm saying now, which, which of these, we talk about the different views, I said, are biblical, which are not, trying to help them filter through all the error that's there. I said, the enemy is a master, as he takes a little bit of truth and then he twists and distorts it. And I said, in, in, if you are not equipped and you do not have God's word saturating your mind, so that you learn it, you love it, and you live it, I says, you're going to be right prey for a lot of what you're going to face in these universities. So let's go ahead, <clears throat> excuse me, and open in prayer. Father, it is such an amazing honor to call the, the God of the universe Father, Abba. Lord, once again, um, we ask for your presence and your power not because we deserve it, we don't, we're not worthy, as Jacob would say, of the least of the mercies or of your truth that you have shown to us, but you delight to show your children your truth, you delight to show yourself strong. And so, Father, I pray once again that you would speak. I, I, I again, Lord, I have nothing and no ability apart from you, so please minister to these special ladies. Father, I pray that your name would be high and lifted up, exalted, the name above all names, the name that is to be exalted, that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, I, I am just marvel that you have chosen us, you have redeemed us, those who are your own, and that we have the ability to know you. And so speak. Help us to learn how to receive your peace and to rest in you. And so I just ask for your glory to be manifested and that once again the ladies would see Christ high and lifted up. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You'll see again, I have another quote there uh, by Elizabeth Elliot. Every assignment is measured and controlled for my eternal good. 
As I accept the given portion, other options are canceled. In other words, you say, how am I going to do all of this or get all of this done? Well, I only need to do those things that God has called me to do, and sometimes it's hard to know what those are. But when I accept what God gives, decisions become much easier, directions clearer, and hence my heart becomes inexpressibly quieter. And once again, we go to the scripture, and I'm going to use others besides what's here. Peace, our Lord says, I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then he says these precious, beautiful words, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now think about that for a second. How many of us, even right now, every day, our hearts are troubled or we're fretting? Okay, any of you struggle with fretting? I'm going to raise both hands. Okay, <sighs> you know, I'll sit here and say, okay, I got this, this, and this, and I, oh, I'm going to do this. And my oldest daughter, who is the calming influence in the house, Mom, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Mom, it's okay. And I have to stop. And one of the, you know, I, I shared a little bit about it in the, in the previous session, Psalm 37, as I started learning those principles and going through the progression that God gives. Fret not. Do, don't fret. Okay? Stop fretting. Fret not about evildoers, neither be envious at the workers of iniquity, for they will soon be cut down and wither as the green herb. A lot of people, they fret about our country, what's going to happen, the government, COVID, so many things that have, have you might want to say they're, they're, they're peace robbers or joy robbers. I don't think any of us even had it on our radar that, I mean, last February or March, that we would be, when you, if you walk through an airport, that you would see every person in a mask. I don't think that was on anybody's, e even on their radar, correct? It's still very unnerving for me to walk through an airport and to sit on a plane and see everybody in masks, and I'm thinking, and social distancing. I was like, God didn't design us for social distancing, okay? He designed us for intimate fellowship. But, they have, studies are now showing as the research is coming out, more and more research, the unintended consequences of COVID, which some are actually worse than the disease itself, of uh, the number of suicides and how the anxiety rates have skyrocketed and depression rates have gone way up. And, and you know, their psychologists are like, okay, what, how do we deal with this? And there's a lot in this world that causes us to fret. Now, in the context, don't fret because of evildoers, neither be thou envious at the workers of, iniqu of iniquity, for they will soon be cut down. But then he says this, trust in the Lord and do good. And I love the translation in the New King James, dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. So trust, do good, dwell, and feed on his faithfulness. Okay? Uh, and then he goes on to say, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he'll change your desires. Okay, commit your works unto the Lord. Trust also, and he shall bring it to pass. He'll bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. Rest or be still in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of the man who prospers in his way, because of the one who brings evil devices to pass. Okay, once again, rest and wait patiently. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And I began to say, okay, Lord, 
Don't fret. Trust, delight, commit, rest, and wait. So as I walk through that, and I says, Lord, peace I give unto you, you said. Peace, my peace, I leave with you. Don't let your heart be troubled. As I trust in him. Psalm, excuse me, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace who's what? Mind is fixed, stayed, focused on you. Listen how many times you hear the word trust in, in the things that I'm sharing. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah, the eternal I am, the self-existent one, is everlasting strength, literally the rock of ages. And then you're thinking, okay, who, when the scripture says don't fret, but trust in the rock of ages, delight in the everlasting God. I'm using different names of God, okay? Trust, delight, commit all to El Shaddai, El Elyon, the Most High God. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Okay, so I'm trusting him, I'm delighting in him, I'm committing all to him, I'm resting in him, I'm waiting on him. Do you see why God's character has to be up here? Lift up your eyes on high. What did Mary say after she was told, Mary the mother of Jesus, okay, you're with child, never known a man, nothing like this has ever happened, question, who's going to believe Mary? that she's expecting a baby and she's never been with a man. Would you believe her? Would any, I mean, really. Has this ever happened before? No. But she says, I am the Lord's handmaiden, servant, be it unto me as you, as you, as you say. How did she do that? My soul, her magnificent what? Magnifies the Lord. What does magnification do? Makes, God, makes everything What? Larger, exalt, continually rehearse in your mind the character, the greatness of God. So as I stop fretting, and that's a choice, and I choose to trust, to delight, to commit, to rest, to wait, you find that your mind, your focus begins to change. Now, we're going to look at two passages, one that I I think is not written in there, but we're going to start, very familiar passage, but let's look at it, Philippians 4. Okay, because don't ever become so familiar with the scriptures that you are not awed by them. Okay? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have uh, great success. Great peace have those who love your law, your word, and nothing causes them to stumble. So if I want to find peace, I'm not going to find it in the world. I'm not going to find it in government. I'm not even going to find it in a vaccine. Okay, now I'm all for medical, medical science, believe me. Uh, I was pre-med, I'm, I'm trained as a scientist, as a biochemist, and, and therefore, I try and teach students and people to think scientifically. Whenever they say, well, I, I heard this. I said, okay, where did you get your information? Social media. I said, is that a reliable source? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounded good. 
And you know, so I'm trying to teach them to think critically. I says, okay, now, when they made this statement, okay, how did they back it up? What evidence did they use to support it? Well, they didn't say anything. I says, okay, are you thinking scientifically? In the sense of I'm trying to train them to be critical thinkers, not in a bad sense, but uh, again, filtering everything through what God's word says. So, you know, I'm not going to find peace in, okay, once I get through this trial and once, once we get rid of COVID, things will go back to normal. Well, ladies, first of all, how do you define normal and how do we know something else won't come if you're going to live that way where you're looking to the next thing or government or anything other than God himself for your security, you're going to be disappointed, okay? Because Dr. Les Oil used to say it this way, true security lies only in the one who can never change or be taken away. Any other security that I put my ultimate trust in can change. And that in no way absolves me of trying to be safe, to be wise, um, to do what I can, you know, to, to take precautions. But at the same time, I, as I've told students and people, I says, I will not. I refuse by God's grace to live in fear. I am not going to let fear control me. When I, as a teacher, when all the school shootings were occurring and they said, are you going to still teach? I said, I am. I said, I'm in God's hands. I'm going to be wise. Okay, I'm going to learn and had to learn all those things from the, they'd come in and teach you how to, you know, all the active shooters. I says, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to live in fear by God's grace. So Philippians 4, we're very familiar with this, but let's look at it again from the scripture and let God's word change our thinking. Okay, again, right view of God, verse 4, rejoice in who? In my Lord always, and he says it again, let your gentleness or your moderation or your grace, graciousness be known to all. That's the person who is, is regardless of what's coming along, your self-controlled kindness, you're not falling apart. Ah! Okay? You're not like rabbit in Winnie the Pooh. I know some of you are like, who? <laughs> okay, but uh, did your kids ever watch Winnie the Pooh? My kids wa- used to watch that, and rabbits, you know, oh dear, oh dear, <laughs> like this, <laughs> and uh, falling apart. Let your gentleness, David said God's gentleness made him great, your self-control or your moderation be known unto all. Why? The Lord is at hand. What does that mean that he's at hand? Okay? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, he says. I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying unto you, fear not, I will help you. Psalm 73 says that you hold me by your right hand. So he's at hand. He's here. And then he says in verse 4, okay, be anxious or don't worry or be careful, depending on what translation, for nothing. The word anxious can carry with it the idea of be torn apart, be, be ripped up, or be troubled for nothing. You remember Martha? I can relate to Martha. You are careful and troubled. You are distracted. You are anxious about many, plural, things. Can anybody relate to that? Oh, my. 
How many times do they? <laughs> I sometimes feel like doing what I love, what Lucy does, and I love Lucy. She takes all the stuff, she puts it on the lazy Susan, spins it around, and whatever's left on there, she does. The rest of it that falls, she says, we don't have to do any of that. <laughs> okay? I'm a Lucy fan, all right? <laughs> but, you know, ugh, the things. And then, of course, he said, Martha, Martha, you're careful, you're torn up, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen. That's an act of the will. David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Paul said, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forth unto that which is before, I press... I agonize toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So, be anxious for nothing. How? But in everything. And then there's four different words used for prayer here. So, in everything. I'm fretting, I'm struggling, I don't have peace. There's a lot of things that will rob your peace. Would you agree? I mean, if I were to ask you, each one of you, to list a couple of things that rob your peace, we would be here the re- I mean, for the rest of the day. I know in my own life, um, news, you know, uh, something happened with my children, you know, anything. Uh, news. I honestly, I, there was a point that I had to just turn the news off. I just, I, I mean, I found myself in major fret mode. And, you know, I, I wasn't thinking clearly and panicking. You know, when my kids first learned to drive, I mean, I had them in an accident, in the hospital, on all of this, you know, in your mind, you're thinking all these things. So many things rob our peace, and God says, okay, stop. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything forwards by prayer. Okay, what is prayer? Special times that I'm setting aside, seeking my Lord, and just saying, Lord, guard me today. Okay, order my steps in your word. Don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. Father, let your word dwell in me so much that I am recognizing you are in control. There are no accidents in God's hand. Prayer supplication, deep, intense prayer, pouring out. This is the prayer of Hannah, where she's weeping bitterly. This is the prayer when you are so overwhelmed that you can hardly speak. There were times when things were so hard with my three children, when I I thought I was going to die with all the stuff that was going on emotionally, and I remember uh, there were so, there were different situations happening with my children, and I sat down in the chair and I couldn't even pray and all I could say, help, help. And I just began to weep and to pour out. And that, you're talking supplication, that's the heavy. And then there's that word thanksgiving, which, from which the word Eucharist, okay? And we think of that in, in Catholicism, but it's just, what am I thankful for? Martha and I were talking about that this morning. Am I actually thankful for the circumstance? Well, I have to remember that no circumstance comes into my life unless it is, remember the words, divinely prepared or divinely permitted. By the time it reaches me, God has said, I'm going to allow this. 
So what can I be thankful for? I can be thankful that if God, by the time it gets to me, like Joseph, I can say, you may intend it for evil, but God ultimately intends it for good. In Psalm 66, the psalmist says, Lord, you have tried us as silver is tried. He says, we went, uh, you've allowed men to trample us, you have allowed people to put a heavy burden upon us. It's the idea of they've been trampled. They've been, the heavy burden is you're crushing. Somebody's, oh, you know, crushed us. He said, they said, he said you've, you've brought us into the net. That's the feeling of being trapped. You have allowed, you know, we have gone through fire and water. Lord, I, I feel like I'm drowning or I'm burning, but you brought us out into a wealthy place or rich fulfillment. See, that's what I have to go back to when I'm fretting. Lord, regardless of whether someone intends it for evil, by the time it gets to me, God has said, this is your assignment. And again, regardless of what the intent is, do I really believe my God is sovereign? When Scripture says our God is in the heavens, he has done whatsoever he has pleased, God is in absolute control. Absolutely nothing is out of his control. Nothing. So I can be thankful, and I remember when we got in the car after I'd just gotten the news that my husband had ended his life, and the, I don't know that I could ever even put into words, the agony, and feeling responsible in some ways, and as we got into the car, the, the couple that was with me, very special couple, um, Louie and Janine, and how they had gotten saved was just an amazing miracle of God's grace. But Janine said, do you think we should sing and praise the Lord? And you know, I realize this is, I may not be, I may not be praising that my husband's gone and, and what I'm facing, but I can praise my God that he is sovereign and he is going to bring good out of this and he has a plan. And I remember praying this prayer. I said, Lord, you can lay me to dust through this, only glorify your name. I said, because that is, I said, please glorify your name. And we began singing praises on the way home in the car. Only way I can explain that is the amazing grace of God. That's the only way I can explain. And you say, how can I be thankful? Because God is on his throne. And God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. And when God says that I have obtained an inheritance and I have been predestined according to him who works all things after the purpose of his own will, when God says that he will work all things for good, he means it. When God says, I know the plans or the thoughts I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope, he means it. When God says, no good thing will I withhold from you that walk uprightly. When God says, taste and see that I am good, he means it. He is God, he is perfect, he is just, he cannot lie. I can trust him absolutely. Therefore, I can praise even when my heart is breaking. We have a couple in our church, a precious couple, an older couple, who've had a daughter who has had a brain tumor. It's not malignant, but the brain tumor kept growing. She has a six-year-old and an eight-year-old husband and uh, has had, I mean, the, the couple moved there to help take care of their daughter. 
and this has been going on, and for the last six months, they have, they have often, they've said so many times, they've said, we are amazed, she's, she's doing so well, she's having no symptoms, she's doing great. Three or four days ago, we, I got a note from our pastor in an email saying, please pray, uh, this couple's daughter just went into cardiac arrest. The brain tumor apparently had actually moved and hit the brain stem. She went into cardiac arrest. God took her. Like that. Oh. Husband, six-year-old, eight-year-old parents. And I spent some time with her parents on Wednesday night. And they were so, I mean, they were overwhelmed with grief. But they were absolutely in such trust of the Lord and praising God, it was very evident. And I said, how does that happen? God does that. The world can't offer that. But he says, be anxious for the, in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests. Requests are those specific and definite requests. Lord, I'm struggling, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking thoughts I shouldn't be thinking. I'm discontent. Let them be made known unto God. That's the pouring out of your heart. That's casting all your cares upon him. And what does he say? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Well, what? Guard, garrison. That's a military term. Your heart's in Christ Jesus. And you say, how does that happen? I don't know, <laughs> except that God says it. He says, when you stop fretting, and this goes back to I'm trusting, I'm committing, I'm delighting, I'm resting, I'm waiting. And by prayer, supplicating, and I am making those requests, and I'm thankful to him, all of a sudden, and I experience this over and over, the peace, I can't explain it. Guards your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's an infusion of supernatural peace. As Stephen looks up as he's being stoned to death and says, don't lay this into their charge. How do you do that? Because God is able to do that. So receiving his peace. As I make deliberate choices to stop the fretting, to trust, to delight, to commit, to rest, to wait, to let my requests be made known unto the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the one who is in absolute control. And I say, okay, Lord, you have made this promise. Now I'm going to dwell on it till it changes me. And with that, we go to Hebrews 13. And when I was sitting meditating on this, and I'll never forget as I was going through this, and I'm writing things down, which I often do when God, I'm in his word, and uh, he is speaking. And by the way, ladies, um, when you listen to God's word or read God's word, don't just, well, I'm, uh, here's my devotions. Check. I've asked this question often of students and others. If, those of you who are married, if you sat down with your husband in the morning and you said, okay, you got 15 minutes to tell me, um, you know, or your husband said to you, you got 15 minutes, I'm going to tell you what I'd like you to do, and then you have another 15 minutes, and you tell me all the things that you want to do, and then you ignored each other for the remainder of the day. Would you have a vibrant marriage? But how often, guilty as charged at times, do we do that? Okay, here we go. I'm going to, no, 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 check, 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 boom, and then I go through the whole day. Lord, did I even ask you about this? 
did I even seek your mind about this? Did I even consider that if you wanted to me to, meet, to do something for this person or meet that need? I mean, I'm on a mission. Type A, you know, get her done, get her done, get her done, get her done. And it's like this person's hurting over here, this person has a need over here. Oblivious. And I think, stop. Listen. So when you read God's word and you meditate on God's word, read carefully, read thoughtfully, read reverently, read with awe. Lord, speak. Hebrews 13, verse 20. And of course, this is the benediction, and Hebrews is an incredible book. You know, um, and of course, Pastor Brent and I've heard many of Pastor Davies and those, they can exposit that marvelously. I still have all the notes so often of, you know, I have notes, I have books of notes of things that I've taken, and sometimes I look back at those, and I still do that. Bring my journal to church every single time. Okay, Lord, you know, <laughs> write it down. I, I know, I could use an iPad. I'm, I'm one of those that I, I don't know. Old school, I, I learned better that way <laughs> for me. That's just me. But, um, Hebrews 13, verse 20, now may the God of peace, okay, so there it is, he's the God of peace. The world's never going to offer you peace. Can't. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. So we're going to take this apart, okay, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus. So I see God who is my peace, but God who has all power. Where do I see that? He did what? He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And the scripture says that the great power that he exerted when he, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and the scripture also says, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And God answers that. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? That's Jeremiah 32, 17, and 27. In Ephesians 1, when the scripture talks about how the, the, the greatness of his might, when he raised Jesus from the dead and set him at the right hand of, the, of God. So when I look at that, I says, now the God of peace, who is this God? He brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? He has all power, and that sin has been what? Destroyed. In other words, in the sense where the scripture says that he came him, he came to, to defeat the one who had the power of death, the devil. But the, I love the song. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified fully forever. One day he's coming, O oh, glorious day. So he brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. That means if Christ is risen, then what will happen to us who are believers? We also will be risen. So I thought, why is he my peace? He has all power. The God of beasts who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, and I love this, that great shepherd of the sheep. That goes back to Psalm 100. Know you not that he is God, we are his, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my, what? Shepherd, I shall lack nothing. In the Old Testament, when Jacob 
was coming to the end of his life, he said these words, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long. My shepherd leads, my shepherd protects, my shepherd provides. The God of peace, and then the writer is reminding you, this is the same God who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. He has all power. This is the same God who is your shepherd. And then he goes on, of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, God is my redeemer. He shed his blood. He paid the price. Jesus paid it all. God who is my redeemer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his of his. The, uh, the pleasure of his will, in whom we have been accepted, been redeemed, we have been forgiven. He shed his blood. So the God of peace has all power. He is my shepherd and he is my redeemer. Through the blood of the everlasting covert, excuse me, covenant, make you either complete or perfect in every good work, now, what does that tell me? He who began a good work in me will, he's going to finish it. Of all those Jesus said that you have given me, I have lost none. Since it is God's work and since it is God who is doing the work, then he is the one who is going to complete that work in me. You know, the Bible talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to do and to will for his good pleasure. Since God is doing the work, then I can sit here and I can trust him and why do I have the peace? Because if it's up to me, I might as well forget it now. You know, people say, well, how do you know you can't lose your salvation? Says, if it was up to me, I would have lost it five seconds into it. Five minutes, Really? I said, I did nothing to earn my salvation. It's all of God. It's all of his grace. You know, and they says, well, can't you just do anything you want to? I said, you don't understand. When God transforms and changes you, you have a different heart. You don't want to live for sin. I says, you want to please him. You want to honor him. And so as I look at that and the scripture, the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He has all power. He's my shepherd. He's my redeemer. Make you perfect, complete, mature in every good work to do what? Your will? His will. Okay, see, that's the difference. The scripture says that we are created for his glory, not for our own. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things and for your pleasure. For his will we exist. It's not about your agenda or your plans. I've often used the term, tear up the script. You know, a year before everything happened with, with, my, with my husband, I can remember sitting in a message by an evangelist speaking, and as he was speaking, I still remember his name, Evangelist Longo, and God allowed him to be afflicted with a brain um, disease 
And he said, you know, when I became, and God called me to be an evangelist and then a pastor, he says, this wasn't on my agenda. <clears throat> and he gave, and he used the example, he, and he, he talked about Anna in the Bible, one of my favorite women of the Bible, that she lived, she was married for seven years and then was a widow for the rest of her life. Now, he made this statement, okay, now I realize, again, you're not looking in the text, but he made this statement which caught my ear. He says, I doubt that when Anna stood at her wedding altar, she had the idea that in seven years she'd be a widow for the rest of her life. And I thought about that because little did I know that in a year that would be my story, in the sense that after eight years of marriage, that God would call me to be a widow and that that was his will uh, for, as far as I understand, the remainder of my life. And he said these words. He says, I had to learn that I had to tear up the script and I have to say, Lord, you are sovereign. You've already written the script and you do what will bring you the greatest glory, unconditional surrender. Lord, I surrender all my plans, all my purposes, all my desires, my expectations, my hope, my will, my all to you to be yours forever. If you were a student of mine, you heard me say that. Work out your whole will in my life, three words, at any cost. I've had people say, you have to say at any cost. I said, when you know the Savior, that brings great peace. He works in you, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. So why is God my peace? Why can I receive his peace? Well, it goes back to as I rest in his character, he is God. And as I understand he is given the peace, okay, Romans 5 we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can glory or rejoice in sufferings for tribulation, works, patience or endurance, and patience, experience or proven character and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So I experience that peace as I am pouring out and I am praying and supplicating and requesting and being thankful. And I recognize and say, Lord, you have all power. You are my shepherd. You are my redeemer. View of God, view of God, view of God. You are the one who will perfect. You are the one who works in me. And you are the one who deserves all glory. And then my heart begins to become quiet. The enemy delights in disquieting you, in tormenting you. Your Savior delights in quieting you, okay? Resting and quieting your soul, calming your soul. And that happens as I, again, I am focused and I am learning and I am listening to my Lord. So how do we continually do this, well again, it goes back to really who do I trust? Ask yourself that question. Who do you really trust? If we're honest, many of us really think we know what's best for ourselves. Is that true? Come on, be honest. In our heart of hearts, we think we know what's best for ourselves and our kids if you have children, right? You don't know what's best for you, I do. And it's best for you that you do this. And when they don't do that, we fret. Okay, I remember having a lady years ago, and she said, isn't there a way you can come up to me, and if I do all of the right things, she says, my children are turn out right, and I says, 
Is there anybody who does all the right things? That's a delusion. You know, who, who could say I've done all the right things? I said, your children have the freedom to choose. I said, now you are responsible to teach, to train, to love them, to pour your heart and life into them, but I can't speak for you, but I made buckets of mistakes. But I can say, by God's grace, I tried, and I've, had, I've and asked forgiveness, and I continue to do that when I blew it, which was often. I think it was better to put a sign up. Mom blew it, will you forgive me, okay? It was just reality. You know, I remember what my son had come home, and he'd done some things, and he said, so Mom, what's your problem? I said, you. <laughs> Now, wasn't that a sweet thing to say, you know? <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times, and even my, my other kids, they said, now, Mom, do you really think you should be doing that? Yeah, I should be doing that. You're a pipsqueak. I'm your mother, okay? Uh, Bill Cosby, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. I mean, just pride, flesh. I know what's best for you. Here, give me your head. Let me open this up. Put it in there. I says, now you're fixed. Mm-mm. We pour in, we choose to do our best by God's grace, but unless God works and they choose, they're free to choose. God himself said, I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. Now, who would accuse God of being a bad parent? And those are mysteries again that I cannot explain. But I had to learn that the key is, who am I trusting in? Where is my confidence? Is it in me? Is it in my pastor? Is it in the government? Is it in this and that? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have godly leaders. We should. But ladies, ultimately, where is your confidence to be? Those who trust in the Lord will be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed and abides forever. Now, I'm going to give you one more scripture and then an acrostic that I hope will help you because this is how God has worked in my own heart. But Jeremiah 17 because again, who and what or what object are you trusting in? Well, my, I've got all this uh, money in the bank. Okay, I've, I've got an inheritance and all this. Well, you do if you're a child of God. It's incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven, but it's not in money. Jeremiah 17, verse 5, cursed, cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes humans or flesh his arm his strength whose heart departs from the lord this is a choice i'm going to put my confidence in something or someone other than the lord for he will be like a shrub in the desert will not see when good comes will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited he says if you choose to trust in human beings you are going to be disappointed you know women who say can't you guarantee that my husband will never do wrong. I says, of course not. I says, you put two sinners in any home, there's going to be friction. Uh, you know, well, I don't know if I can trust, trust my husband, trust this person. It says, God tells you to trust through that person to God to work back through that person to you. Ultimately, the Bible teaches in 1 Peter 3, Sarah trusted in God. She hoped in God. Now, that doesn't mean we're mistrustful, but ultimately, people will fail. They will disappoint you. You cannot, I cannot keep my confidence in any human being, whether it's a counselor or a very esteemed person. As long as they're following the Lord, I'm going to keep imitating their example. I'm very blessed to be in a church where I have extremely godly leadership. I will gladly follow their example, but I'm also consistently in the Word saying, are they following the Lord? But my trust can't be in them. Blessed, verse 7, is the man who trusts in the Lord. 
whose hope is the Lord. And then you see this phrase, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, spreads out its roots by the river, will not fear when heat comes. Its leaf will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Does that sound like Psalm 1? And then he tells us about our heart. It doesn't sound good. Okay? It's deceitful. It lies to you. People say, but I trust my heart. Don't do that. It's deceitful and desperately wicked or incurably sick. Who can know it? So you say, how do I trust the Lord? This is, again, this is something that God taught me and continues to teach me, and it helps me if I develop an acrostic. So I, I, I put T-R-U-S-T, and I said, T, transfer my focus from the circumstance or whatever I'm fretting over to the character of God. So I start right there. How do I trust the Lord? I transfer my focus. What you dwell on will control you. From whatever it is, the thing I'm fretting over, the circumstance, the worry, to the character of God. So I transfer my focus from whatever is causing me to fret to the character of God, R. I remember, psalmists do this all this time, I remember God's mighty works and that he's in control. How often the psalmist said, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the mighty works of the Lord. So I transfer my focus. I remember that God is in control and his mighty works. You. I understand God has a divine and good purpose in what he is doing. Understand my God, your God, has a divine and good purpose in what he is doing. S, I submit to him, I surrender to him. And finally, T, I thank him. As I have walked through that, okay, my mother situation, transfer your focus, transfer your focus, okay? God is just, God is righteous, God will make no mistakes. Remember, what he's done, he's in control. Understand, Carol, understand he has a divine and good purpose. Stop fighting. Stop resisting. Submit to him. Okay? Yes, Lord, surrender. Bow the knee. Yes, Lord, bow the knee. Thank you. Thank you for showing me how weak I am. Thank you for showing me how great you are. Thank you for showing me that I need you. This circumstance makes me more desperate for God. Hallelujah, that's a great thing. Thank you, Lord, that you have a good plan. And with that, ladies, comes peace. I can receive it. It's available. The question is, am I going to choose to still fret? Am I going to balk? Am I going to do this? Or am I going to transfer and make a right choice? The choice is yours. Father, thank you for your precious, precious word. Thank you for your promises. Lord, thank you for your love. The love that will not let us go. Lord, as we sang, may our soul wait only upon you for our expectation, our hope is from you. Father, teach us 
every day, every moment, every hour, what it is to trust you, to wait upon you, to learn of you, and to rest in you, and to take the peace that you have offered. So, Father, I pray you continue to work in our lives, to, con- to convict us, to encourage us, to show us again your wonderful love for us and that we would change and we would be encouraged because you are the God who will perfect, you will complete the work, you will never let us go. So I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.